0: Well, hello, Michael. Hello, listeners. Hello, Lily, for whom this is her first show in charge of IRC Book Club. Welcome to Inwood Revenue, Lily Lawson, who is now firmly in control of proceedings. Um, today, we are beginning our reading of In Distract
1: Able. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of book club is, you must always talk about book club. Second rule of book club is, tell everyone about book club.
0: Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life by Nir Eyal with Junior Lee. It's published on Bloomsbury. Um, Mike, I think probably the best way to start today's show and this show in general is just to explain to our listeners... Because I think this is a bit of a left field book for us.
1: Yeah, I do. On the podcast. I, 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 tell, I tell you what, I think about it. it. Quite often, I get asked by clients, Mike, what do you look for in a salesperson? One of the things I look for when I'm interviewing salespeople for our clients is how good they are at focusing on what they're doing. Yeah, That's it's an a esat- core I, skill for me.
0: It, I agree. It's an esoteric thing. The thing that often I see when I'm interviewing really serious performers is there's an element of focus in the way they work and an an element of organization and system as systematization
1: yeah definitely yeah, 100% the, they're sort of they're sort of robots um with character
0: yeah they have process and system and
1: method and so so this is Part of the, this book is about part of the armory Absolutely. of a salesperson. and
0: And I think to create more context, and I'm going to mention this several times, is often when I'm meeting people where I look at them and I think, you're in a bad place right now, I would say nine times out of 10, it's because they haven't sold anything.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: And I would say in the nine times out of 10 out of the nine times out of 10, they haven't sold anything. Because do you know what? They didn't do the really important things that needed to get done as part well, of the Well, they didn't seven.
1: sharpen their saw, as Stephen Covey says.
0: More than that, more often than not, actually, I think it's because they didn't find and manage a way of doing the really hard bits. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. And as a result, they didn't put enough in the top of the funnel. And as a result, they didn't have enough in the funnel. And as a result, they got the tin tack or pressured out of a job. Yeah. So that's why we're reading it is because actually the whole concept of focus being indistractable, actually I believe, is really relevant to our audience. I agree um, completely. And I've actually, have you enjoyed this one?
1: I've liked it. I, I've liked it. I have felt at times just a bit too sickly sweet, actually. But we'll come on to that. But actually, the core principles of it. Am I? Am I glad I've read it? Yes. It Would a good I? Primer hasn't it. Yeah, I mean, what would I suggest to somebody that they should read it? Yeah, I would have said so. Now, interestingly, because we've got the author on the show um, and we're we're doing this and the book's only just been released, I actually haven't read the book. I've sat and listened to it on Audible and taken
0: loads of notes. It might be a different way of of approaching the book. I've
1: actually quite liked it, in fairness. I've paused it and taken notes and stuff like that. I've got to say, Nir Ayal, who is the author, he reads well.
0: He reads it beautifully. And I'd like to point out to our listeners, actually, as well, Nir Ayal. Is big time. He's an he a he, He's an A-list author, um, yeah, and he is coming on the show in this, I guess, tranche of episodes that we're doing. Uh, and more specifically, um, he, he wrote another book called Hooked, about um, which about creating, well, habit in for- yeah, about creating habit-forming products. And this, I guess, is almost the, contra, the counter book to Hooked, isn't it? It's about, yeah. It has become unhooked by some of the habit-forming products that are surrounding us in our lives. So we're going to the, to the introduction... Um, you know, we're, he wrote this book called Hooks, which was really huge. Um, and he talks a lot about, um, how a lot of the technologies and a lot of the world that we live in now is a very, very distracting world.
1: And and designed to do, to be so. Because they want to, they want to keep you in their products.
0: Agreed. And we're designed by very smart, very educated, very accomplished people to distract us and and keep us away from our, our own challenge. You know, I, I was thinking. And I don't know if Gav's listening to the show. Gav, if you are, hey mate, um, Gav's lad Ollie sits at the rugby and it drives Gav spare because the lad don't watch the game anymore.
1: Yeah, but you see, we're going to come on to this is this is one of my things that well, bothers me about Well, there's a chapter on Indistractable
0: kids, isn't there?
1: No, the thing that bothers me about the book, which it is bothers me about the book, that you make Gav should say right. If you don't go to the rugby, we're not going to go. If we're going go well, to the rugby, your phone's in the car. We well, just say that. So where's yeah. his phone?
0: Well, it's with him.
1: But a well, lot, that's the point, but, though. But isn't a, it? Lot of that,
0: a lot of that is parent- when That's you, the point about the book, though, yes, I but think. but when you've sounds. got a teenage son, come back and discuss it. Jonas, if I've like got this. two teenage daughters, I'll
1: discuss it with you and I know what will happen. I'll tell you now, phone will be in the car.
0: <laughs> whatever.
1: Um, it will. Because I, I think this guy, let's we'll go into chapter one. So, chapter one, he says, What's your superpower? And basically, he tells this story about how he sat there with his daughter. And they're talking about stuff, and his daughter says, what's your superpower? And he asks his daughter what her superpower is. And the point he's making is, I'm sitting there, talking to my daughter, but actually i am being distracted by my phone.
0: And let's get it right, how many people are... No, But that doesn't happen to me. No, and you're an interesting person. Because I have it with my wife, when we're sat but, there but Mike, watching you, TV. She'll you're... go, hang on,
1: she'll go, we'll be we sat watching TV, her phone will bing and she'll stop talking. I said, who are you talking to now? You talk to me or your phone? Yeah, and I'll say you, the same to my daughter. With? And I'd say the same to, if I was in a meeting with somebody, I'd, I'd say the same to you, I'd say the same to Lily, I'd say the same to everybody. And I do think that a lot of the stuff the book goes to, I think, oh, come on. Do you really have to monitor yourself in that way? That's just common sense.
0: It is to you and it is largely
1: to it me. It is to everybody, but everybody, but, there's, but there's a lot of people weak, weak. people. weak, really weak. Anyway, get back to the chapter. People the are weak,
0: but equally they're very, very well manipulated. And you are an extraordinary character, Mike. Well, not really. Yeah, you are. You're a bit... I'm you're just, not ordinary.
1: I, I don't agree with that. And I, I
0: mean that in a complimentary way. You're not ordinary. You are actually more in... Indis- the, the, the reason... And I was worried when I started reading this book because I was thinking, well, that's Mike anyway. Mike's... Well, I'm loads of this book. Michael is indistractable. Yes. You can't distract Mike. Well, you work with me. I work with you. And you are... If I try and distract you, sometimes you're downright fucking rude. <laughs> Um, well, but to I've point. worked with you for that long it just doesn't bother me because I think fair play the guy's just in the zone
1: but that's what he's talking about so part one he's on about super and, and he
0: explains you know he tried everything he tried a digital detox tried using an old school cell phone you know I've tried doing it where I use a separate compact camera so that I don't take pictures of my phone so I'm not using my phone what have I just bought well exactly so that you actually do that, you digitally We detox. were
1: just, so listeners, we were just talking about a fact. I bought a camera this weekend. Johnny said, you'd be better off with your phone. And I said, but I'd have my phone when I'm a holiday with my family, so why would I want it?
0: Yeah, you want your phone in your pocket or in your bag. I, want anywhere, I don't want it anywhere near me. Yeah. First, has no got a phone anymore. if there's an emergency, hasn't she?
1: Has it be switched off? In yeah, bag? but
0: if there's an emergency, she can pull it out and turn he, it he on. He then
1: introduces the, the, the four parts of the book, really. Yes. Which... which which is, well, you can say, if you want, So,
0: uh, should we introduce those? Part one, you'll learn practical ways to identify and manage the psychological discomfort that leads us off track, which is a very interesting thing. Part two is, we'll look at the importance of making time for things you really want to do. Part three follows with a no-holds-barred examination of the unwanted external triggers that hamper our productivity and diminish our well-being. Part four holds the last key to making you indestructible, which is Pact's. And then finally, we'll take an in-depth look at how to make your workplace indistractable, raise indistractable kids, and foster indistractable relationships.
1: Now, now what I do like about how this is written is, at the end of every chapter, he, he has this bit where he goes, remember. I like he that. He sort of summarises the chapter. I really like now, I've that. Now, i am not saying the book, actually, in the box, because I listened to it. Brilliant, I thought that.
0: Yeah.
1: I think the book's really well written.
0: It's a really good book. Yeah, yeah. I've you're... really enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I've listened to it once on Audible and... Skim read it this weekend so I could make some notes on it for, for discussion today. So what he talks about is, and he gives a really interesting definition of we're chapter word. 2 don't we? we're on chapter two, distractible, indestructible. Yep. And he actually starts talking about a bit of Greek mythology without tantalus, which was actually rather interesting because I'm into that kind of stuff and I'm a bit nerdy. And what he says is on the right side of the continuum is traction, which comes from the Latin trahere, meaning to draw or pull. We can think of traction as the actions that draw us towards what we want in life. And on the left side of the continuum is distraction, the opposite of traction, with the same Latin root. The word means the drawing away of the mind. Distractions impede us from making progress towards the life we envisage. Which I thought, as a paragraph of text, was great. But then he goes on to say they're
1: all promoted by triggers. Yes. So then we're going to be talking about triggers. Triggers is the really important thing to, to, to take note of So both your,
0: your traction and your distraction have triggers. And in, and there are two types of triggers there, internal and external triggers. So that's actually a really interesting chapter, I thought, here. Um, here you, go. The, you know, He gives an example here of the psychologist Herbert Simon wrote, the wealth of information means a dearth of something else, a poverty of attention. Um and researchers tell us attention and focus are the raw materials of human creativity and flourishing. In the age of increased automation, the most sought-after jobs are those that require creative problem-solving, novel solutions, and the kind of human ingenuity that comes from focusing deeply on the task at hand." And that kind of ties in with a lot of the conversation I'm having with parents of uh, my daughter's friends where, you know, they come and we talk about, well, what course should she do? What sort of courses do people want to employ people from? And I often say, look, this whole business school thing. Nobody's interested in it. No, get, not anymore. Creative, yeah. No. Get your kids on a philosophy degree or an art. Show kid, for my kids. Philosophy, yeah, <laughs> philosophy or art history, or if they're going to do something, then a classical degree like English or maths or history that demonstrates that ability to think and focus on something for a long period of time. I agree. Because I think they are real commodities now in the in the modern modern economy. So I, I actually wrote here: this book is going to be tough for Mike Price. As he is a machine and he won't get it.
1: Oh, I do get it. <laughs> I page, do get it. Page
0: fifteen, listeners.
1: So part one, we're going to part one. This is about mastering internal triggers. Yeah. Then chapter three is what motivates us internally. Uh, is what mo- motivates us really? He tells this story about this doctor who had a fitness tracker. She got offered some bonus points to walk up and yeah, down. Yeah, it's upstairs. an interesting
0: story, isn't it?
1: And then, and then she walked up. She ended up walking up and downstairs for three hours. And the basic premise is that we that, that she got easily trapped into doing something that she then spent three hours three hours doing it on.
0: Yeah. Um. The point is, and the point he's making by that analogy is, he gives an example here from uh, uh, he quotes Epicurus, the Greek philosopher. By pleasure, we mean the absence of pain in the body and of trouble in the soul.
1: I wrote this down, yeah. Simply
0: put, the drive to relieve discomfort is the root cause of all our behaviour whilst everything else is proximate cause. That is a key, key part of, his, of the book. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. In terms of actually understanding what takes us away from... You know, and he says we blame things like TV, junk food, social Do media. You know, I serious.
1: thought I thought JJ is going to say that we self-medicate. Correct. I wrote that there.
0: We're a society of self-medicators, and just because we're not self medicating with fat ca- and
1: they drink,
0: correct. And- just because we're not self-medicating with cannabis doesn't mean we're not self-medicating when we go to Instagram during the working day. Correct. And what he's actually saying is the reason that you're sat in the middle of the office in prime selling time, flicking... Gazing at LinkedIn. Gazing at LinkedIn, hoping something interesting's there that you can comment on, is because actually you're Mm. in a place of discomfort. Maybe you just made a call to somebody you didn't like. It's your brain saying, go to LinkedIn. It's nice.
1: Well, it's your brain actually saying, go to LinkedIn, it'll get you away from the pain of having to phone somebody.
0: Get you away from the pain of having to do something really
1: hard. Yeah, correct. And that's the big premise of the book. Chapter four... Now, this is something I really buy into, that I do anyway. Are we
0: still on chapter, have we moved on?
1: We are, well, come on, John, we've got to cover
0: a lot of chapters in a fairly short space of time here. What the I, I made a note here, I just an escape from sales guys is extremely extreme. Okay, yeah, we're on chapter four. Time management, therefore,
1: is pain, is ma- pain management. Yeah, yeah. Now, no, I, no, I do completely agree with that.
0: The pain of existence itself, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, if distraction costs us time, then time management is pain management. Yeah, And he, he points out, what, you and I are never going to be um, overwhelmingly satisfied with our lives. He makes a great point here that he quotes out of the Review of General Psychology. It says, if satisfaction and pleasure were permanent, there might be little incentive to continue seeking further benefits or advances. That's why stoners don't go to work, Mike. you reckon? Yeah, because they just sit around feeling sort of all right with themselves eating, <laughs> eat, eating Ben and Jerry's, don't they? But it's true. You know, look at some of the people that we employed who were stoners they just couldn't get it going. Why? Because they sort of lived the life of comfort.
1: Yes, I do agree with that. And he talks about boredom, negativity bias, rumination and hedonic adaptation.
0: Which is an interesting one, isn't it? The concept. Do you want, do you want to want Did that?
1: you read any of this?
0: Yes, hedonic adaptation he talks about is the tendency to return quickly to a base level of satisfaction, no matter what happens to us in life. It's mother nature's, he calls it mother nature's bait and switch, all sorts of life events we think will make us actually happier don't. or So he talks about the lottery, lottery
1: winners, doesn't he? And he says, these people Correct. win the lottery, they think it's going to be great. Now, I think Tony Robbins covers that quite well. He gives this example, Tony Robbins, about having loads of cookies in the cupboard. He said, when we only had two or three cookies in the cupboard, we all desperately wanted them. So I filled the cupboard with cookies completely, and then actually nobody wanted them. I think that's about the human need for scarcity, isn't it, as much as anything?
0: Yeah, and it's why, I and mean, I know some quite successful, rich people, I've always wondered...
1: Sometimes Why we to keep meet, working.
0: Yeah, you and I talk about it, don't we? We'll, we'll have client X, client Y, and we'll go off. Oh, fair play, he sold out for fourteen million. I can't believe it. And a year later, he started another company. Mm. And you're like, was well, he spent all his money? And you think no, but he's he's adapted. It's hedonic adaptation. He's bought himself a Ferrari. He's bought himself a posh house. he's bought himself a holiday home, but it's not enough.
1: Well, he didn't realise the root cause of what he was looking for. actually. Correct. So we then talks about rumination as part of these process, and he says we keep thinking about bad experiences. I've got to tell you, I think rumination breaks salespeople sometimes. I think that in the end, well,
0: you made a point on a previous episode of Book Club that in a way, the best, the better salespeople are a bit thick.
1: Definitely, yeah, hundred percent. Because I think rumination. I think I think what happens is, is that sometimes salespeople will always constantly think about the bad things that happened as much as they think yes. about the good things. If you're a sales guy, right, you're going to lose more deals than you're going to win.
0: Well, That's it, it comes to down happen. to a conversation I have with my brother-in-law about golf. And he says, to play great golf, you have to be one of two things. Thick as that, yeah, or like a fighter pilot.
1: Or actually, just not be bothered about a bad shot. Just be able to let it go. Yeah, but just you, let it go. You don't it, have to be thick. You just got to be able to let it go.
0: Have a, a personality that is totally placid, or you just have to be intelligent. Like a guy a, used to play a lot of golf. Him, who's one of those
1: people, millionaire, you know him. I, I have seen him play brilliantly well. He's to play a lot of golf with him. Ruin a round over one putt. His head His was head just is gone. Just, boom, gone. Gone. I think that happens with salespeople sometimes. I think in I the agree. end, they just become battle weary and just give in. To an extent. And then they're, not all of them, clearly.
0: To clearly. an extent. So then he talks about dealing with distraction from within. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out, and this is a really interesting point, mental abstinence backfires. And what he says is, try to pose for yourself this task, not to think of a polar bear. He's yeah, quoting yeah. Dostoevsky here, and you will see the cursed thing will come to mind every minute. Um, an impact, in a study, participants who were told to avoid thinking of a white bear for five minutes did so average on average once per minute, just as Dostoevsky predicted. But there was more to the study, When the same group was told to try to conjure the white bear, they did so much more often than a group who hadn't been asked to suppress the thought. The results suggested that by suppressing the thought for the first five minutes caused it to rebound even more prominently into the participants' minds later, according to an article in Monitor on Psychology. And what he's saying is an endless cycle of resisting, ruminating and finally giving in to the desire perpetuates the cycle and quite possibly drives many of our unwanted behaviours. So if you put that into a practical context of the people that we work with, and I do think, you know, LinkedIn is an absolute sodding killer here, you know, and we know plenty of people who spend all that time, it's funny because we're promoting this podcast on LinkedIn, but all these people who spend plenty of time, and they're they're suckers for the little red dot at the top of the browser tab.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And they're not psychologically aware of the little red dot on the browser tab. is designed to, mess with your head
1: yeah, yeah it's very clever isn't it
0: yeah really clever so what he then explains is he gives us a process for what he calls reimagining so this is chapter t- six tricks. isn't
1: it yes. oh it's chapter six of my book anyway yeah chapter six
0: yeah. so he says look for the
1: discussion well, no, no, more importantly oh. he says we can't control the thoughts that come in but we can affect how we react to them Yeah. that's really important that.
0: now but you see this is because for me it's we, a mindfulness i
1: thing. say this to my t- you're
0: still meditating price.
1: yeah i meditate with my kids actually and I say to, to Honey, so Honey, my eldest daughter is 10, nearly 11, so she's just at that sort of age. And I always say to her, I say, Honey, you can choose how you react now.
0: Yeah, and she has started to understand
1: it. She started to, so, I mean, it's obviously not, but I think that happens a lot. So you and about the red dot on Outlook or LinkedIn or whatever, you look at that red dot, you can choose how to react. You don't have to click on it. No. If your phone rings on your desk, you, can you choose. don't have to answer it. Nope. If your phone pings, you don't have to pick it up. Nope. And that that step, he, he sort of doesn't quite cover it here. I think that step of you can choose how you reply, that one thing will make you Well,
0: But the thing is, Mike, what's interesting is, you know, you and I both, and, and <laughs> some of the people who listen to the show who, who, who've got an awful lot of time of this, time for you and I, Hopefully, we'll still respect the fact that actually both you and I will quite happily sit and look at a ringing phone and not answer it.
1: Particularly if I can't, if I don't have the time, and if a client calls me and I know that he's yeah, going to yeah, want well, a conversation that's 15 minutes and I've got five, I think, well, what's the point in answering it?
0: Yeah. What's and, the point? And also, I, I'm a big fan of turning. Attorney- you know, I've got good at turning mine off.
1: Oh, I, I never turn fo- mine off, actually. When you I try to
0: focus on something, I, don't mind I turn the it. thing off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so get back to your four steps, because they so, are accurate.
0: Yeah, so go through these with us. Look for the discomfort that precedes distraction. Yep. And that's, it's in and of itself. What's the, what's the discomfort? Because yep. there is a discomfort. When you're looking at LinkedIn... When you look say, at the
1: red dot, you think, what's going on?
0: But it's preceded by discomfort. Mm. It's preceded by a transition in the working time... There's something in there that makes you look at the red dot and then your brain goes, ooh, dopamine, ooh, let's do it, ooh. I can watch a video of a guy crashing a Mercedes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Write down the trigger.
0: Yeah, actually writing it down. Now, many years ago, I I trained as um, a hypnotherapist. Different life, different time. And one of the things we did with smoking cessation patients was if they rang you... Uh, I was always taught to say to the guy on the end of the phone, so you'll stop smoking, yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's make an appointment. We'll see what we can do. But before we make the appointment, what I need you to do is, um, firstly, every day for the next week, I need you to start smoking. What hand have you... What, are you right-handed? Yeah, I'm right-handed. Okay, I need you to smoke every cigarette that you smoke for the next week with your left hand. And also, every time you have a cigarette, I need you to write down why you had it, where you had it, when you had it, and what you were thinking when you had it, just before God, you the
1: dropout rate was massive. <laughs>
0: And I always said, well, nobody will ever turn up to the appointments. Yeah, yeah. But the point that the guy who taught me the hypnotherapy was, he said, listen, about 35, 40% will drop out. He said, the ones that turn up, they've already stopped by the time they walk through the door anyway. You just got to give them the help they need. Good point. Because you've made the conscious awareness.
1: They're thinking about what they're
0: doing. Why am I having this cigarette right now? He said, the, the others, they turn up and they hope the hypnotherapist is going to flick some switch in their brain. That means they'll never smoke a fag again," he said. "They just," he said, "they rescind that they're recidivistic within months." But he said, "the ones that have written it down, they're serious about quitting."
1: Now, so so then he said, "Explore your sensations." Yeah. and then beware of, of liminal moments. Liminal moments—a transition yep. from one action to another. Now, now then. I,
0: I thought this was interesting have you ever picked up your phone while waiting for a traffic light to change then found yourself still looking at your phone while driving or opened a tab in your web browser got annoyed by how long it's taking to load and opened it up a, I do that that's that's something I've done I get really vexed by the spinning the spinning ball I just wait I don't but I have got better since I read this and recently I just sit and wait now, and ask myself what am I thinking now All right, I'm thinking I'm bored because I get bored. It's pure unadulterated it? boredom. And
1: now this one, this is a good takeaway. This, he has a ten-minute rule. Brilliant. i have got to say that's pretty much my only takeaway from the book. To a person. Oh honest. really? But I did think it was excellent. I'm not knocking the book, by the way. So just explain the ten-minute rule. Well, he said he said uh, just hang on for ten minutes and see if you still want to do it.
0: <laughs> yes, he calls he calls it riding the surfing the surfing urge. Surfing the urge. Yes, surfing the urge. So basically, if you've written it down and thinking, well, that's my if you've written down the trigger. And then you say, right, I'll just wait 10 minutes. I've got the
1: trigger. Now I'm going to wait 10 minutes before I act.
0: Which is extremely applicable to, and he's written here, it's effective at helping me deal with all sorts of potential distractions, like Googling something rather than writing, eating something unhealthy when I'm bored, or watching another episode on Netflix when I'm too tired to go to bed. It's a universally cool tip, cool
1: Brilliant. trick. It's the best takeaway in the book.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, it's a Actually. great diet trick. I think I'll just go and eat a pack of Oreos. Well, let's wait 10 minutes and see how I feel. Have a gl- I'm going to have a glass of water, wait 10 minutes and see how I feel. Yeah, how many times do you munch something? Well, you don't, because you're a weirdo. But, oh, um, I never do, Jonathan, uh, obviously. <laughs> but, um, well, you munch it, and actually, it's just because you're thirsty. For example.
1: So, chapter 7 reimagine the task.
0: Yes. So, what's he talking about here? Um...
1: So what he's talking about here is, let so me look at my notes. He says, so he talks about when, he talks about play being part of any task. Yeah. And i tell you what I thought about this when I did it is I've been a sales recruiter now for 19 years. So. It's, it's a long time though, like that isn't it? When you think about it. And actually you think to yourself, why are you not bored of doing it by now? It's because I, th- I would like to think that I've got better at it because I've found more enjoyment in doing it in different ways. Yes,
0: you find new ways of enjoying the work.
1: Yes. Now, my new way of enjoying the work is by understanding people better. So I yes. think I can understand people a lot better now than I could when I was 21. God, that must have been a different experience, I suspect, for candidates. And that's sort of what he's talking about here, isn't it? He's saying we fail to have fun because we don't focus on it enough. And fun is the aftermath of doing something well. Yes. That's what he's talking about in this chapter. And it's
0: about that ability to think of work, thinking particularly of the mundane, in a in a more interesting, gamified way.
1: And he talks about he says, pay close he says, pay close foolish attention to things. And he cites barista uh, baristas baristas, baristas. Barristas baristas. <laughs> baristas. He said who turned the minimal task of making a coffee into one which they find fun. Correct. Now it's interesting because when we walk when we, when I come into work in the morning, there's a cleaner there. Who obviously has got yep. sort of the lowest ranked job I think you can find, actually.
0: But he always seems particularly happy
1: with his job. So he clearly does the same thing, doesn't he?
0: He finds a way. Yes, He's very and I find, though, I, find
1: I find fun in dealing with salespeople. I think our audience is good fun. I don't but think that, you tire tired of our audience. Well,
0: we we framed our work in that way.
1: No, I think I genuinely like it. Yeah. Uh, and then he talks about reimagining our capabilities by we can master our internal tr- uh, internal triggers, which I think is very important. Yes. That's chapter 8. That's Chapter 7.
0: And then we're on Chapter 8, which is reimagining our temperament. And I think we get not far off to the end of the section, don't we?
1: Yeah, then we're Part
0: 2, yeah. Which takes us to the end of the show. So what's in Chapter 8, reimagining your temperament?
1: Well, this is about choosing your state. You know, it's a big thing. I read uh, Tony Robbins years ago, Awaken the Giant Within. Probably the best book I would think of any kind. Really? Don't you think? Miles better than any ones we've read. Much more
0: useful, yeah. Miles better. And one of the things Robbins... I don't think he's going to come on the show, though. Why not?
1: It's Lily's job. Um, So, so, uh, but Tony Robbins... Bring me Robbins, Lily. But Tony Robbins talks a lot about choosing your state, doesn't he? Yes. Now, I write down affirmations every morning and have done for 10 years, as you've geekily seen me do it, without fail.
0: Yep, in your little Aspinall book.
1: Correct. And one of them is, is I always put, you can choose your state. We choose how we react to things. We do. Now, this chapter talks all about that, actually, and it's a bit more granular in terms of, you know, how to tell you how to do it. But that's what it's basically about, I think. And then he comes on, he talks about the sugar in kids' drinks. Did you read that bit?
0: Go on, just explain that. I think I might have not quite got my head So he was saying, he was
1: saying we have this this, uh, belief that we give, you know, kids get a bit tired, so we give them a sugary drink, and then the kids are full of energy. Yeah. Now, I've done that. You know, if you've been out for the day or something, and you're trying to get back to your hotel or whatever, you think, oh, let's have an ice cream at six o'clock, just to keep the kids going a little bit. But so that actually, we, so it's not it the match. sugar in the it's ice cream. It's not the sugar. It's the belief. In it's the, the, power be- of it's the sugar. belief that you as a parent have in the, sh- in the thing that you give to your kids yep. that then transfers to your kids. Correct. That's what it's about.
0: So what he's saying is, if mental energy is more like an emotion than fuel in a tank, it can be managed and utilised. That's the point he's making, is he's saying yes. that the mental energy, the strength, is not something you run out of. It's an unending resource.
1: What he was saying here, he's saying, there's loads of different bits here, and I've taken quite a weakening few notes. Weakening
0: isn't because you're hungry or tired or you haven't had enough caffeine.
1: Weakening, he would say, is weakening, You you, you weaken because... You allow the emotion You to- allow yourself to weaken
0: Yes The, the emotion
1: well, of- What I've been saying to you About running to work <laughs> I, So I run to work once a week Right listeners And when I first did it It's 8.6k I first did it 44 minutes I said to Johnny I said I'm going to get quicker Last time I did it It was 37 8 seconds And if you ask me How I have run faster
0: He says I just run faster but it has worked, though, hasn't it? Because so, well, if, if we
1: can now, all run faster if our, if our life was on the line. I am getting better at returns. I am right? getting better at running. but the point is, you, if somebody was chasing you with a gun, you could run faster. It's your belief that keeps you at that level, and that's what Near Iow would say as well. I think. Yes, he says those who who believe they were powerless to resist were more likely to fail. Correct. People who had a positive more friendly view of themselves, i.e. treat themselves... Be
0: nice to themselves.
1: Be nice to themselves, are happier. Correct. And then he talks to us. I think this bit's very important. He says, we change the way we talk to ourselves. He said, so very often people are very critical of themselves. He said, but speak to yourself as if you were speaking to your friend. Correct. And
0: it is very, very useful stuff. So what he's pointing out is he's saying... When we need to perform a difficult task, it's more productive and healthier to believe a lack of motivation is temporary than it is to tell ourselves we're knackered and we need a break. Correct. So the point is, he's saying, you're sat in front of your computer, the the wheel's spinning because you're opening up another browser window, you're opening up another tab in Chrome, and you're actually, wittering before,
1: away in your head. Before
0: you know it, you've gone to bbc.co.uk forward slash well, well, it's
1: more than that, isn't it? Because what he said is, he said, before you know it, you've not recognised the internal trigger of frustration yep. that's allowing you to, to to seek pleasure away from pain by looking at BBC. Correct. What he's saying is, Jonathan, you now go about to feel frustration. You're about to get rid of your pain by going to BBC. Recognise your trigger. Correct. Talk to yourself more kindly, and then you'll keep your tab open. Correct. That's what said. Brendan Bouchard
0: would say, release tension and set intention. Correct. Have a quick, it's, deep breath.
1: But he's right and about that. that you, see, you see it a lot in the traffic, I think, you know, with these people that are... But not so much that, you see these sane people going mental at you in the traffic.
0: You're like, why are you doing that?
1: And you think, if you could see yourself now, you wouldn't do that.
0: If I could video you now, you'd just think, what a burk. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Good,
1: but I mean, that's a good part, That, of that, self com-
0: that, that whole concept... My only issue with this chapter was I didn't feel like it was really it, it could have done with a more practical exercise because what we've talked about there is quite esoteric it, it could do with just a more if I was the editor of it I'd have said look it just needs a few more practical do this and practice it exercises but what I did find out I did go on Neil Isles accompanying website for the book and he oh. is shifting courses on being indistractable. I, I, I
1: looked at his big worksheet. It's just a bit too long for me, really. Yeah, too 80 pages. I, I, well. I just
0: thought, I, I looked at it as well. So I think, before we finish this show, I think we'll do part two. Okay, good. As, I, as a, uh, we agreed, given the last couple of chapters of the book, Mike, which are about indestructible children and families, that we would do, uh, if I recall correctly, part, We're doing part one and two. Go on then, let's crack on. Part so. one and part two as the first show. So part two is what he calls making time for traction.
1: Yes. Chapter nine, turn your values into time.
0: So this is real Stephen Covey stuff. Well,
1: it's a bit of Tony Robbins, I think, as well. A bit of
0: Tony Robbins, a bit of Stephen Covey stuff. Looking at what's important and then spending time
1: doing Well, well it, he says we have three life domains where we spend our time.
0: Yeah, work, relationships, have, and you. Correct. Yeah, I love this quote he has from Seneca.
1: See, I wrote the same one down, actually.
0: People are frugal in guarding their personal property, but as soon as it comes to squandering time, they're most wasteful of the one thing in which it is right to be stingy. I'm stingy with time. I was just telling Lily before we shot the show, I I was watching some TV. When when I watch TV that I don't like, it sounds awful, this, but this voice goes through my head that says... Why do you watch it if you don't like it? Well, it gets the 10-minute rule, but this voice goes through my head that says... Right now, you're getting closer to death watching this TV show.
1: Must be a pleasurable experience. Yeah, for you. it's a
0: pretty negative self-talk, but it clarifies the mind on: is this TV show really any good, or is this piece of content, or is this book? You know, if if, if, my, if I feel like time's being wasted, I just think I'm just getting minutes, hours closer to the end of my life in this film, Fair or enough. whatever. But and then time he goes. Matters.
1: Well, he goes on to say, uh, only one third of Americans keep a daily schedule wow isn't it it?
0: yeah but that's a sort of it's a skewed demographic that why america's a big old country mike and there's a lot of people there yeah and therefore you've got a lot of people in that country that are out of work that are before work age that are. Oh, we have part to make the assumption it. that it
1: was talking to people in work age. Yes, it's if you're giving me you the demographics that
0: one third of working America.
1: Working uh, uh, well, that's what I read it as, actually.
0: Professional white collar Americans. If you're telling me that, then that's a, a damning, crushing stat. One third of Americans don't keep a diary. Well, yes, a significant proportion of them are kids.
1: Well, I don't think I didn't read it like and that. Students. Actually. I didn't read it like that. Yeah, but even a student keeps a schedule.
0: Absolutely. I didn't,
1: and, uh, I didn't do much work as a student, but even I kept a schedule. A I, diary. I, Oh, no, no, I didn't keep a diary. And what I mean by that is I occasionally turned up to university. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so he says you've got to make, you should start with you, these three life domains and your values. Start with you, otherwise you can't look after the other two.
0: So he talks about something that you and I do, I know, very religiously. Time boxing. Yeah, he talks about something called time boxing. So a good example, um, I mean, I don't know what, our listeners alike, and and, and I'd love to maybe explore this with people more. On a Sunday, I get up and I plan my week, but I plan it with literally micro-precision. So, and I know you do the same, Mike.
1: Oh, 100%, yeah.
0: Um, You know, from 5am till 9pm most days, everything in my life is scheduled.
1: Mine is a bit of flexibility, but pretty scheduled. It gets a bit more
0: flexible as I get towards home. But it's scheduled: five thirty yoga, seven thirty go home, eight o'clock eat, nine o'clock practice piano, nine thirty watch TV, and I, and I do time box things. Otherwise, they never get done.
1: Sort of life time boxes you itself a little bit as well, doesn't it? Not you, but life time boxes yes. us. You know, pretty much you're gonna have your lunch around midday. Pretty much you're gonna have your breakfast. Now you really and I like.
0: have a flexibility that others don't because we work for, for for ourselves, and therefore I, I, think I think that
1: gives you less flexibility. Why? Because I think when you work for yourself, you're much more conscious of not, I find I'm much more conscious of not taking the mickey out myself.
0: Correct. But equally, you and I have the flexibility, for example, of going to the gym at... Could do. I mean, like I go to 11. You go at 11. Tomorrow, I'm going at 2. That I know that's in my diary for
1: tomorrow. Uh, uh, yeah, so, so time box. I do agree with it. So it's interesting. He talks about other people stealing your time. I've got to say, I do sometimes let other people steal my time. Like when? Like my wife. She wants to, <laughs> no, no, I mean it. She wants to come home and she wants to talk to me about her school work. They don't have any interest in it. And I sit there thinking, all right, she's going to steal a quarter an hour of time. But she's my wife, so I like to steal a quarter of quite an hour of the time.
0: I think, yeah, fine. Yes, but that's because you've time boxed family time at that point. Maybe. That's in your time box, family time.
1: No, it's not written down in the schedule, but it's. Uh...
0: But you know, once I'm home, it's family time.
1: Oh yeah, correct, yeah, correct.
0: So actually, you're not letting her steal your time. It was scheduled anyway.
1: Yeah, maybe. So chapter ten, control.
0: So yeah, the, the whole point here is he's saying. Sorry, I, I, I think my time cause... box said we we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: it's just saying be organised. It's just really sensible. But, but...
0: If you've got something to do, put it in your diary as time to do it. But good organised to do it. But I think a lot of the people we meet that are in a dark place, I'd be interested to know if we could do a I, I, I think
1: their boxes merge. No, I'll g- tell you
0: what I think, because some of the salespeople I know a bit more intimately, is that they are like little bottles floating around in the ocean being dragged oh, along not. by the tide. Do you reckon? Yes. So I know of one example of a salesperson who I know on a personal level quite well who had a tender land on his desk recently. Mm. And it was like, yeah, something off a cartoon. He'd run around with his hat ah, on fire. Tender, it's a tender. And I was like, what are you doing, mate? And he's like, it's a tender, it's a tender. But you think, well, you, you, weren't, you weren't doing
1: every, that half an hour ago.
0: Everything that you'd planned to do over this next two weeks, you're now not doing. And something else is completely, dist- it's a, that tender in and of itself is a total distraction. You know, did you know about it? No, but I've got to respond, I've got to respond. And it took up like a week of the guy's time. And I'm like, you just lost a week of your career. Yeah, you
1: see that a lot, I think.
0: You lost a whole week of your career running around on a tender that you didn't even know about. Why are you responding? And, and it, But he doesn't have that control to turn around to his employers and say, frankly, fuck that, I'm not doing it.
1: He does he just chooses not to
0: correct because he's frightened of his employees because he's frightened of losing his job he's frightened of saying I'm not doing that i never never heard of that tender
1: you know why he's frightened of losing his job why because he's not in control of his time so he doesn't do a good job correct so he carts around to his boss and go listen I'm not doing that
0: I'm just not doing it what it's worth 2 million pounds
1: well, and it. your miles behind target you're doing it, it. it's
0: not worth 2 million pounds because I'm never going to win it
1: exactly chapter 10 Talks about controlling your inputs. Really important, this I think.
0: Go on, tell me about this
1: one. Well, I like it. I have this this sort of mindset that says if I make an appointment for myself, I'm going to do it. Yeah. The best of the best example actually is always going to the gym. I think.
0: Well, we talked about this last week, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I think you know you got making appointment making
0: appointments with yourself
1: and sticking to them. Because then he talks so on about Friday.
0: Can you remember, we both said on Friday, you came in and you would cycled to work in horrendous rain, oh, was and bad, I'd gone into work and was at my desk at six a.m. And you said, I really didn't want to cycle in this morning, but I'd made the appointment with myself. And I said, funny you should say that. I really didn't want to get out of bed and come to my desk at 6am this morning, but I had a lot to do. And I promised myself I'd just get in ridiculously early and do it. Yeah. But it's about that appointment with yourself. And then when you make and maintain the appointment with yourself, it strengthens, I think, like a little rope, like thread upon thread. I, I think, upon thread I, I think upon you thread.
1: don't realise that it makes you happy, and then you get hooked on doing it. Yes, it's addictive. You, ma- the, 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 the appointments the, with yourself... I think the gym is addictive as much as anything because you become addicted to pleasing yourself. People are pleasers, aren't they? You can please other people or please yourself.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: You the, please yourself. Do you,
0: when I go to the gym tomorrow at two, do I love it because of the adrenaline rush of doing my squats? You and my get
1: a bit of endorphin out of it, don't or you? Or is it the
0: fact that actually I know I've, there's a voice in my head that said... You're that self-disciplined mate that you turned up at the gym at two o'clock, mm. you smashed a protein shake on the way back to your desk and now you're going to go back and do two or three more hours' work.
1: And just in this, he talks about needing sleep. Now, I, I had some, some bouts of insomnia and I read a book by Paul McKenna. They said, just sleep more. No, no, not Paul McKenna's, but he said all kinds of stuff and it was all pretty good. The one thing that Paul McKenna says in his book, he says, right, when you're laying awake in your bed and it's the Stop middle of the night and you're super cosy, try and stay awake. And I thought, that's interesting. Because now I think, oh, why wide awake. I think, right, try and stay awake. Next thing I know, I wake Next up. Next
0: thing then. you know, it's 6am. Mad. Yeah.
1: But his point is, he was talking here about his internal voice was criticising him for being awake, and that was making yes, it Yes, that
0: rumination. rumination. I can't believe that you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're awake. You're an idiot. Why don't you go to sleep? Oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, if I don't sleep? I, uh, you get anxious about being anxious.
1: Yes, he then talks about scheduling time for yourself first. He says, you're the most important of the three domains, which I do agree with. Yeah. So if you can't sort out you, you're never going to set out the other two. Um. And, and he's also talking about focusing on the inputs and we control the time we put into a task. So we have to think about the inputs I'm that are making us do things in certain ways. So, I mean, it's a terrible example, really. But I guess, you know, if, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you're a gambler, going all day to Las Vegas is probably a bad place to go. <laughs> but it's that it's a simple, but... Yeah. You know.
0: Okay, and then sh- uh, chapter 11, he calls scheduling important relationships. Now, I think this is really interesting, because uh, quite interestingly, I recently read a book called Lost Connections by a guy called Johan Hari. Okay. And what Johan Hari said is, it's a book about... He, uh, he wrote a couple of books. One was about addiction. I don't know how I came to read it. It just looked really interesting. Anyway, what he talks about is the causes of depression. Okay. And one of the key causes of depression, he said, is what he calls lost connections. And what he doesn't mean are lost neural connections. They're human connections. And what he basically says is depression is not an illness. It's not a weakness. It's for human Depression is something that happens to human beings whose basic needs in one way or another are not being met. The majority of which are actually connectedness. And, oh, really? and a number of others. And it's actually a fascinating, fascinating book about the whole concept of mental wellbeing. Anyway, he talks about scheduling important relationships. yeah. And I do think that that is absolutely key. The whole concept of... Um, spending well, some time with your
1: wife and spending some time with her.
0: And your mates and your yeah, kids. Mate.
1: It's interesting because uh, I do a few different clubs and stuff. So I was at a jiu-jitsu thing this weekend with some of my mates... And that's a bit the same, isn't it? You Correct. schedule time to knock about with your pals.
0: Correct. And he says, much like I schedule time for a business meeting or time for myself, I block out time on my schedule to be with his wife. So he, he talks about his wife, but it goes deeper than that. It's about your mates, about friendships, about those connections. I thought, uh, the point I thought uh, is, got bored
1: of this chapter. You did? Yeah, I
0: did. But the point is, Pricey, uh, well, you didn't like the bit where he talks about this stupid thing where he gets to his mate... <laughs>
1: So so one of his ideas, listeners, <laughs> yeah. is what he does is him and for him and three of his pals is they meet every fortnight. Good idea, fair enough, good idea. They meet as couples. Yep, fine, good idea, good idea. He said, To make it interesting, what we do is we each think of a conversation topic that we turn up and discuss. That might be something simple, like what we're we really grateful for. Or it might be something more complicated. Like I know what how my I'm pushing mates... our kids too far. Oh, if I said if that I said to, that my, to mates... my mates,
0: if I said that to my mates, there would only be one conversation topic. It would be what a dick Johnny is. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I know they would all walk in and go. And today's conversation topic is what a dick you are. Oh man! Literally, that
1: would be it. But it's okay, the Johnny, because you all take your own food. So uh, there's no
0: tiding away uh, everybody has to bring their own food
1: but do you know what it did make me think well right? his point you spend some time with your mates and your kids and actually but, put and time actually, aside
0: but, what he says is that actually strengthens your distra- that traction and it increases your actual level yeah yeah he's right about that and do you know what it made me sit down and think do you know I've been trying to organise lunch with my mates for ages and it's really hard to just get all four or five of us or six of us in one restaurant and you know sometimes when I work from home on a Wednesday I nip out have a sandwich and a coffee and a chat with my mates for an hour and actually that's a hard thing to do. And I decided I'm just going to start working from home on a specific day and I'm just going to tell them I will always be there on that time and that day every week. And those of you who want to show up for a coffee and a sandwich on that day are more than welcome to join. it. It's
1: interesting because I, I do quite a few different clubs and actually that's the same really.
0: Just because they know you're there, or oh, you there. know they're there. It happens that know, time every week. If I show time. up, some yeah, absolutely.
1: It happens that time every week.
0: And I'm going to start doing that. And that's a bit of a takeaway from me. So I laughed at his whole having a conversation topic. I, I genuinely, my mates would annihilate me over that. But I, I am going to do it. I'm just going to start. I'm going to find a little venue, North Leeds, and say, I will be there at one o'clock every Wednesday for an hour. If anybody wants to join me for a coffee and a sandwich before I go back home to work, you're more than
1: welcome so, chapter 12 is the last chapter of this part two, uh, and he's talking about syncing with we're your stakeholders Really
0: interesting, this. Good. Because it comes back to the whole conversation about that tender that we were talking about earlier.
1: Really on. good. So, what he's talking about here is, he uses a lady as an example, I can't remember, It's a marketing lady. Marketing, April, that's it. April, the marketing exec. Um, and... I'm going to go back to something in a minute. Well actually I'm going to mention this now. He also says here so he, so he says sync your work schedule with your boss. So your boss knows when they can talk to you and when you can talk to them. That way your boss isn't going to distract you you're not going to distract them. Remember we used Don't to run, well, when we had lots and,
0: lots and lots of consultants we used to run surgeries.
1: Yeah, all good. All good that. What is interesting he talks about people sending work emails during a meal. So one. What are you doing? why have you got your phone on the table having a meal with your family
0: what are you doing so now is this just talk, a different culture thing let's talk think, about this price yeah. so this, some, this confuses me because you and I have a culture and this comes in later on in the book and inward revenue has always had a culture which is when you are on holiday you're on holiday yeah 100% yeah if I go on holiday next week
1: I know I'll look but, after your stuff. I know your clients. Yep,
0: yeah, you'll you'll fall out of my clients. I'll fall out of yours. Yeah. No, but joking. Yeah, side, yeah. I, and we're lucky because I know that you'll do a good job with my clients, and you know I'll do a good job with yours. But I turn it off.
1: Well, well, this they, they're a they're this, this whole, whole concept—they're
0: having, they're, having, they're having
1: dinner with the, with their family, and they're, oh, I've got just, i have just gotten to send a work email. Now, I think part of that, you know, is it's a the thing. Ego. Correct. I'm very I'm, important. Yeah. That, hold. Stop talking. Work need me.
0: (laughs) They need me. They fall apart without me. I'm important, you know. No, none of us are important. I'm sorry. We're all deeply unimportant.
1: It's mad. I also like this other thing that mentions it. The other thing, Pricey,
0: you know, on distractibility, this is something else. And we've we've talked about this before in Book Club, and I'm going to bring it up again. Is everybody so busy? Yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, i worked an 80-hour week this week. We talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago have you worked an 80-hour week if 30 hours of them have been in the car?
1: Well, yeah, that's interesting. But
0: And I actually thought to myself, I thought, I'm quite lucky because a lot of the client opportunities we deal with, you know, like I'm dealing with one of the client in India at the moment, we just deal with video calls. You know, 20 years ago, I'd have flown to India. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And I'm dealing with another one who's based in London, where I'm driving to, to London. I'm not driving to London, we've done a video call. But if I had to spend loads of time on the road, I'd get a driver. If I was a hundred k, hundred and twenty k, hundred and thirty k basic salary guy,
1: what are you doing? Did Do I used to work car? work for for direct for three months? The guy that owned it was a guy called Larry Gould, super duper duper rich well, guy. He's
0: very wealthy guys, Larry.
1: He had a driver. Yeah. In his car, he was just on the phone all the time.
0: On the phone, on his laptop, getting stuff done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Being
0: indestructible.
1: I, th- I think I like this, this phrase this guy uh, near comes out with, which is pseudo work, work that yes. looks like work.
0: I think that is su- pseudo-work, I think, is a brilliant point.
1: Yeah, and he's basically saying that people sit at the desk looking busy. <laughs> I mean, that I is just like that so like whole Yeah.
0: Why don't you bin the tender and make 20 cold calls? That's no d- work. So,
1: chapter, so that was part two. <laughs> And that was oh, so
0: that's section one of this book of Indistraction. So
1: Making Time for Traction, part two, good. Like I say, I know I've sounded a bit negative about the book. I do a lot of this stuff anyway, really. But I do You think are it's... very
0: good at being Indistractable. Yeah, right?
1: I do think it's a good book, though.
0: Well, it's a very different book to the sort of books we usually read. Yeah. It's been a very interesting read thus far. And I think I'd like to think our audience and our listeners pick up on how important this is. Because actually, it's as important as talking about... It's important as important as a blue
1: sheet.
0: It's as important as a blue sheet, this. 100%. And actually, the guys who are, and the girls that are, are sat there with their time box and who are aware of the fact that their phone is eating their time and who are conscious and awake, they're the ones that are winning.
1: Definitely, yeah, without a doubt.
0: They're the ones that are winning and enjoying the game. So that's this week. Lily's first show well produced Lily
1: we've not seen it yet
0: yeah no one's heard it yet
1: probably out of focus
0: (laughs) so thank you very much we'll see you next week goodbye